football systems microphone. Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where it's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football league. I'm your host, Michelle Mod. All systems go. And I'm joined by Kate Mod, the senior content creator at the Gaming Society and a coverage contributor with Fantasy Fantasy Life. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast, here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. My wife's sister-in-law, it's going to be great. We're going to be kind of near you guys, not really, within the same state boundaries, I suppose. That's about it. Austin's pretty cool. Love the city. Yeah, it's great. I've been there once before. So we're going to do like a not real traditional Thanksgiving, which is fine because I've never been like the biggest turkey fan myself. It's fine. We're not either. Wait a Why minute. No, we like had that? this conversation last year. I feel like we need to do a callback to that, though. Um, <laughs> roll the tape. Roll the tape, guys, because we we did have a bit of a conversation last year about the quality of Thanksgiving food and like the fact that turkey was just not it. I like it. I like it. I have to work on Thanksgiving because there's three games. So I have to work the games, but I'll get some of Kate's family's food afterwards. They are real good cooks. And the only way to make a turkey is to fry it. I know like you can like fry anything and make it taste good. No, it's not like, but it's not like I always thought when they said fry a turkey, it was like beer battered whole turkey. And it's not like that. It's actually really good. Yeah. It's really good. Pretty it's made delicious. me enjoy and appreciate turkey in a way that you can't, I think, in a straight up oven. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I'm excited for the food, not excited to work during Thanksgiving. But, you know, football's football. It'll be fun. What game are you most excited for on Thanksgiving, Jake? On Thanksgiving itself? Uh, I don't know that there's any game that honestly I'm like super enthralled with by process of elimination. I think it's the Giants and Cowboys game. Like I like that rivalry. That should be interesting from that perspective. Uh, The other ones I just imagine could be shutouts in weird, stupid or low scoring games, I should say. Yeah, there's not really a lot of great ones, but the Giants in Dallas looks way better than it originally looked to begin the season. So that one should be a good one. The Bills versus the Lions. Maybe the Lions can make it interesting. They're a fun team. We'll They're see. home. Yeah. It's inter- It's. I think that's going to be a more interesting game than we suspect it will. I think Jamal Williams scores like four or five touchdowns this oh, week. Damn. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> this is going to be a fun time. Well, we actually have some running back news to get into. Let's, so let's hop into news and notes. All right, well, two running backs were cut this week. It was Melvin Gordon. He's gone from the Broncos. He was waived, and no one claimed him. So he's gone through waivers, and nobody claimed him. So he can sign with whatever team wants him and he wants back. That will be interesting. You know what? Good for him. Like, But already, his contract was so small already. That makes me a little nervous that no team wants him, right? Because it's not like, oh, they weren't. They're staying away from him because they don't want to pay him that contract. It was like $800,000. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Anyone? Anyone soon? I don't know. That's pittance, like you're saying. That's nothing. 
Melvin Gordon truly looking like the turkey football running back. Here. <laughs> I think right now, nobody really wants to pick him up. I mean, I, I'm sure that somebody will eventually allow him to be on the team. Like, I don't know that he goes to any place that makes him fantasy relevant, though, for the rest of the season, certainly. You know where I'd love to see him? Where? Go home, buddy. Go to the Chargers. I would love to see a Why Melvin... do you want to hurt Austin Eckler? I don't fantasy. think it hurts Austin Eckler. We saw how involved uh, Spiller was last week. Like, there's, we don't need to get the beautiful thing about Austin Eckler is you don't need to give him 75 touches a game for him to be relevant. He's so efficient. So, but what like, about the touchdowns? If they bring in Gordon, don't you think it would be a little bit worried about the goal line work? I don't want that. No, I, I you, wouldn't. I think it would be a really fun fit, and I would love to see him come home. This well, is your home. Well, what's interesting is the Broncos released him knowing that Chase Edmonds was going to be out multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain. So now it's literally like Latavius Murray, I guess Mike Boone. I, I don't know. So Latavius Murray, rest of the season, like you can play him. He's going to get the work. It seems like he's the trusted back um, in Denver. So it doesn't feel good to ever start him, but guess you got to start a you running back. It does not feel good. And I still have some trust issues with Denver and saying, like, I can start any of these guys. Because yeah. watch Marlon Mack somehow get involved. Yeah. And just ruin everything. I don't know. I can see it. Daryl Henderson was also surprisingly uh, waived today by the Rams. Today is Tuesday. So we'll see if he's claimed by anyone on Wednesday. I think he will be claimed. He is a talented young running back. On I a- would love for the Steelers to claim him. Like, imagine him as a complimentary back if Jalen Warren actually has a hamstring injury and could miss time. Please, let's do that. I want him to go somewhere that's good for fantasy and the Steelers are not it. I want him to go to the Chiefs, but I don't know if he lasts that long. I I could see any team picking him up, even if they have a bad record, because he is still on that rookie contract. He's still young. He's talented. He is a good pass catcher, so you can be used in multiple ways. I I think he does get picked up. I hope it's not by the Texans, because that's going to ruin Damian Pierce a little bit. But they... they, See, I, I think the Chiefs really like Isaiah Pacheco um, in terms of like teams that he could go to and make an immediate impact. I don't know. Like, what about I? I think the Bears is interesting, right? Like with Khalil Herbert's injury and maybe him kind of splitting some work there with Montgomery. It's interesting if Justin Fields plays through his injury. Like, yeah. I don't want to watch him. That's interesting. What about the Jets? Ugh. I know we don't want to buy into the Jets' offense, but like yeah. Bryce Hall was valuable because no, you'd be splitting snaps with Michael Carter, James Robinson, and him. Like they're not going to just give it all to Daryl Henderson. So it's a three-way disgusting backfield on the Jets. No, what about look, the Broncos? I hear the Broncos need a running back. But this one I can't stand for. Yeah. I just can't. <laughs> the Broncos need a running back. No <laughs> source. We'll we'll see where he goes to, and we'll discuss that more next week once we know his new team. Obviously, you're not going to play him in week one, no matter where he signs. Give him at least a week uh, before you do that. Clyde Edwards, a layer suffered a high ankle sprain in week 11. So that was kind of my thing here. Do the Chiefs bring in uh, like uh, either Melvin Gordon or claim Daryl Henderson, or do they just stick it out with Isaiah Pacheco as the main dude there? He looked good against the Chargers, but it's the Chargers. What are your thoughts of this backfield? Well, it's like, I, I don't know. Why Why hold on to 
the guys that you actually have there, I guess if, if you're going to pick up somebody like that, I just don't see it. Like why is Ronald Jones on your roster? If it's not for this exact reason, I, I'm not saying he's good, but I'm saying like, <laughs> this is kind of the reason you keep him on a roster. So maybe he just takes some reps. Yeah, that's true. I do think Daryl Henderson's a better all around running back than Ronald Jones, but I don't know. I don't know. It's gross, but I'll trust Isaiah Pacheco for now and then see where it goes from there. What about you, Kate? Yeah, I'm rolling with Pacheco. The, the issue with Pacheco is he doesn't get any targets, so he has to get into the end zone or he's going to give you eight. Even if he has a good game on the ground, he's giving you eight to ten points in PPR, and that's not really a running back you ever want to start. It's hard to you know win with those type of guys in your lineup. Now, obviously, if he gets a touchdown, it'll be fine, but it's like all of the targets are going to McKinnon. I mean, I think it's kind of simple. Like I, you roll with Pacheco and maybe a half PPR standard league, but then in a full PPR format, Jerk McKinnon should be picked up a hundred percent. Yeah. I like that. Uh, moving on. Sam Darnold uh, is now a going, friend of the show going to, <laughs> going to fight to show that he belongs in the NFL. His first game this season will be against the Broncos defense. That sucks. No, I'm, I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm not playing DJ Moore. Like I'm not like, oh no, Sam Darnold's back. Like DJ Moore will be good. No, it's against the Broncos. It's going to be hideous. The Panthers are going to look disgusting. The only guy I'm interested in playing still is Deonta Foreman. Like I'll keep giving him chances, but that's about it. That's literally it. Everything else is. I don't know. Terrace Marshall. If you are like desperate. Uh, for two plays <laughs> for 50 yards i guess i don't like but it. that was with baker like terrace marshall's not yeah. doing anything with anyone else and just no just no just i'm ready to like no can cancel culture please just consume the panthers <laughs> so we don't have to have these conversations anymore like i i'm so done like try again next year guys I, yeah uh, Jets are non-committal to starting Zach Wilson in week 12 because he has also been a dumpster fire of a quarterback and they have a good record and they have a really good defense. So there is really good reason to say there is like, we need to put Joe Flacco in this game. It's not about developing Zach Wilson for the future right now. We have the team to win games like they haven't in the past. We have a quarterback that can win us games and Joe Flacco with a veteran presence. I think this would be huge for fantasy overall as well. Like Joe Flacco makes everybody better on that team. He actually makes the wide receivers really good. Garrett Wilson was doing great with Joe Flacco last year. Elijah Moore had a couple big games with Joe Flacco. So there's actually hope again if they go with Flacco, which I think they should not just with fantasy, obviously, but with like actual NFL purposes, like win some games with a better quarterback. Yeah. I actually think there's like not a doubt in my mind that they move to Joe Flacco. There's a couple of But problems. if they go to Mike White, then you're just stupid. Then you're just like, why? Well, Joe Flacco is already another terrible young quarterback. Either go to Joe Flacco or stick with Zach Wilson. I mean, Joe Flacco, like I think in the position, like maybe, you know, if this team wasn't in contention for something, they would roll with Mike White. That's fine. But I actually think that with the defense they have with the playmakers, they have uh, like Joe Flacco is probably capable of taking this team to the playoffs with the record that they have at this point. Thanks in large part to the defense. I think like 
Zach Wilson, not only has he looked bad, not only has he put this offense in a bad place, but he's officially lost that locker room. Like it wasn't just Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore came out first, but now we all saw what happens when you lose Garrett Wilson and it's these guys are dropping off one by one. And well, the defense has to be pissed at him when he's like, no, not taking any of the blame. Yeah. It's <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> like what? Like, yes, it is your fault. You looked terrible. You had 77 passing yards, nine completions. And the defense was awesome. Like it was your fault. It has been your fault all year. You are not a good quarterback. That's a, and that's a leadership problem too. And that goes back to losing the locker room. Like, this is a team that's pissed off. This is a team that's motivated. And I think it's, there's, I I don't think there's any universe. I would bet a hundred dollars on it right now that Zach Wilson does not start for them in week 12. I agree. I'd be on your side. What about you, Jake? No, but would you bet a hundred (laughs) dollars? I would. (laughs) And then at that point, then Garrett Wilson becomes a great play. I still don't want to start Elijah Moore because it's too risky, but there is at least upside with him. And like, if you want to throw him into a DFS lineup or something like that, uh, it would just make everybody so much better. So hope for Joe Flacco in week 12. Never thought I would say that. In 2022, nonetheless. (laughs) Kyle Pitts was put on IR. You do not have to make the decision whether to play him or not. For a long kind of time. a blessing in a it way. It really is. Feel bad for the player. But you're absolved. But guys. for fantasy, at least you have your mindset. You're not playing him. So there's that. And then Ricky Jamison Williams, rookie wide receiver for the Lions, first round pick. He was designated to return to, uh, from IR. Check your waivers, especially if you're a contender that has a good record right now and you can if you're a team that doesn't have an IR spot and he's been sitting on waivers, get him onto your bench. Who knows if he's going to do anything, but he was extremely, extremely talented in Alabama. Great deep threat, obviously coming off the ACL, so it could take a bit, but just throw the, you know, put your little fish, fish cast out there. What am I trying cast to say? Some bait. Throw yeah, some yeah. bait out there. Thanks. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate you cast having the me. Net. I'm a master fish. Yeah, cast the like, net. Maybe. Yeah, Jake, I feel like you didn't even do that right. <laughs> I don't know. I think I nailed it. I think it. cast the net. I don't know. Cast a line. There's nobody else good on waivers. You might as well go for the the big hitter there and and see what happens. All right. It's time to jump into our scrumptious starts of the week. Jake, this man hurt my heart last night. We were watching on Monday Night Football because all of his targets should have went to my dude, Rondell Moore, but he got hurt on the first play of the game. <sighs> it's it's not the way that it should have happened, uh, but Greg Dortch did get quite the fantasy production, but yes, it did come at the cost of Rondell Moore. You know what, before I even get into Dortch and Rondell Moore, I'm going to make sure you Quick. So uh, we made some What's some like? uh, wet good. We made some last week. It is Neither delicious. It's good favorite. for me. It's a perfect uh, way to start I was the talked day. about Russell Wilson here last week. Uh, that wasn't a good call. Uh, I said he could be quarterback eight or better. He wasn't. Uh, not even close. I also said he'd be better than Daniel Jones. He wasn't that either. Uh, both both were terribly, terribly wrong. So 
I owe you both a shot of mezcal. I'm going to do them in one full swoop here. Before I get oh going. my God. That's a large shot. It's a double. Sh- it's he literally just took a double shot. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness. Jake, you're, <laughs> you're, you're an inspiration all right. to all of us. I feel like your chest is probably already hairy, but it became. It's <laughs> <laughs> based off my face. Uh, I'm yeah. going to just uh, have my eyes water while I'm dealing with reading through Greg Dortch. But if to be fair, if Rondell Moore plays this week, start Rondell Moore. But with the groin injury, I don't know if he's going to be out there. So be ready with Greg Dortch. Make sure he's off your waivers just in case. Because in the four games that Dortch did fill in for Rondell Moore, he's averaged eight targets, seven receptions, 75 yards. It's a lot like Rondell Moore in his last three full games where he averaged 10 targets, eight receptions, 85 yards. Dorch might be the only wide receiver handcuff truly that is out there. That's really a thing because (laughs) he's just a little tiny bit worse than than Rondell when he gets out there. Now, here's what's important with the quarterbacks. Both Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray have been favoring the shallow pass this season of all quarterbacks with at least 50 attempts. Colt McCoy is dead last in intended air yards per attempt with a measly 5.1. Kyler Murray, not much better. He is fifth from the bottom. Only one wide receiver in the league has a lower A dot average depth of target than Dorch, which was 3.9 yards. A person is LaVisca Chenault, by the way. We don't need to talk about him any further, but only four have a lower A dot than Rondell Moore himself. One of those is Dorch. This is kind of a match made in heaven for them. It's just Cliff Kingsbury's offense. They, they can't do anything besides let Kyler scramble and or dump it off, hope that the guy produces monster yards after the catch which is fine because both of these guys rank inside the top 10 per reception four yards after the catch. So this is a great situation, even going against the Chargers, who have been pretty good against slot receivers. They've also allowed the 11th highest yards after the catch metric in the league. So Marquise Brown might be coming back. Even with that, I'm not too worried. I think that he's a pretty good flex play. Again, either or whoever is playing. But I'm starting him over guys like Jacoby Myers, certainly DJ Moore, George Pickens, Tyler Boyd. I'm starting over all those guys. I like it. I, I'm hurt because I just like Rondell Moore would have destroyed the 49ers on Monday Night Football. You could just see it. They're just getting destroyed in the slot. It's the only place you can beat them. And um, I had Rondell Moore in some lineups and big zeros, big zeros. I just, I don't know when I'm going to get over that, but it's certainly not today. <laughs> Maybe not. Certainly not today. Kate, who's your scrumptious start of the week? This was almost mine. Almost mine. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep swinging with some momentum here. Rashad White versus the Cleveland Browns running back, rookie running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Browns have been absolutely demolished on the ground this year. They're allowing the second most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. And now Rashad White comes into this game fresh off a bye and Leonard Fournette he's he's starting to feel the effects of that young rookie hot on his tail uh in week 10 played a season high 64 percent of offensive snaps 22 rush attempts for 105 yards and interestingly no targets but that's sort of been the role that I feel like we all pegged him for before his emergence on the ground um has had three plus targets in all uh, but one of his six games prior to that game. So like we have seen him involved as a receiver before neither have been great, but he's been better than Leonard Fournette uh, forcing tackles at a, a higher rate 
than Leonard Fournette. He's, I think, got more of the trust in the team, and now he gets the perfect matchup against the Browns. Like, this isn't the same Bucks offense that's going to, like, drop 40 points on the Browns. I feel like this is just going to be sort of a a back-and-forth game uh, between these two and perfect for the run game. Yeah, I like this. The only worry is, you know, Leonard Fournette was out the second half of the last game with the hip injury and everyone thought it was going to be like this big injury. And then he might not even miss this game. So that's something to keep an eye on. I still like, we were seeing Rashad white on the field. He got the, he got the official start in that game. Like they, they were going using Rashad white as a first option, even when both were still available in that game. Yeah. His targets definitely need to increase. And like obviously from zero and he needs to be used in the re- uh, passing game. They did designate G uh, oh my God, Gio Bernard to come I back. From IR. He was still with the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, he gets hurt every time he gets on the field. So who knows how long it'll last, but if he does play, he's the pass catching role. There's a lot of worries surrounding white. That's why I didn't end up using him, but I do think he's still a very solid play. Like he has really high upside, just the worries with the Buccaneers backfield, you know, you never can trust them. You never can. You can't trust most backfields right now though. And I think like right now, I mean, every single running back this week, it feels like has a bad matchup. Like all of your reliable running backs, it feels like have bad matchups. Rashad white. I think you plug him into your flex. If it booms great. There's a potential for that because of the Browns. But if not, hopefully he's going to get you like 10 points in a PPR league. Yeah. 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 So I end up going with this guy instead because I think he's much safer with the same high upside. And it's Jeff Wilson Jr. He's going up against the Texans, which is just a beautiful thing. But as soon as Jeff Wilson got to town in Miami, he became the instant starter. We saw last week or the week prior to their bye. It was the Jeff Wilson show. I, I know that Moster ended up scoring a lot of fantasy points as well because he had that longer touchdown that he stole from Jeff Wilson. I almost had a heart attack because, uh, you know, I was playing Jeff Wilson everywhere. But then Jeff Wilson ended up getting his touchdown as well. Wilson had 17 carries to Mostert's just eight. He also had more targets, five to Mostert's four. And he played over 60% of the snaps. Again, it was only his second game with the team, while Mostert saw just 27% of the snaps in this game. It's Wilson's backfield, and he's been fantastic. Well, the Texans are allowing the most rushing yards per game this season, and it's not even close. They're allowing 179 yards per game. Well, the second worst is the Lions at 154. So the Texans are allowing 25 more rushing yards per game than the next worst team. They're so bad. And they've allowed 23 plus fantasy points to a running back, just one running back in six out of their 10 games played this year. And they've allowed 13 plus fantasy points in nine of their 10 games. Only the Broncos didn't have a running back hit 13 plus points. So he feels extremely safe in this matchup while also having a super high ceiling. I'm ranking him as a top 10 guy this week. I'm playing him over big names like Damian Pierce, Aaron Jones, Ramondre Stevenson, who I do like this week a lot as well. But I like Wilson a little bit more. David Montgomery, James Conner. Like Jeff Wilson is a smash play for me. Smash, smash. smash, It's what we call chalky. Uh, in DFS like it's just such a good play that you can't back away from Jeff Wilson so 
Yes. And also, yeah, kind of screw you, Raheem Mostert. Just stop <laughs> interfering with a good thing. He's still startable, right, Raheem Mostert? Because mm-hmm. it is such a good matchup, and you know he can break one off at any time. But his workload has decreased dramatically since Wilson got there. So he's just more risky. That's all. He's still startable. I like Wilson much better. Would you rather play Rashad White or Raheem Mostert? Rashad White, for sure. Same. Jake? Ooh, that's interesting. Then definitely Raheem Wilson Mostert? above. Above. Yeah, definitely Wilson but above. That's White. pretty close, though, because I do Rashad really White. love Mostert still this week. Just, again, big play potential is always there. It's do you want volume or do you want the ceiling of the big play? I'll take the safety, I think, of White. But I also think there's some big play there. There's yeah, White play. can have big plays. It's... Yeah, I, it's Mostert. easily white for me over Mostert, but I'm going Wilson. What about you, Jeff Wilson or Rashad White? I'd take Jeff Wilson. Yeah. I, I think he's a bit safer, but I still think Rashad White has a similar ceiling to Mostert. Like, I think that volume that Rashad White's going to get is going to make up for whatever breakaway plays Mostert has, most likely. Fair. Jake, you love this man. You do. You you just do. <laughs> to be Get fair, your... yeah. to be fair, I called this man a farty fade in oh, a episode okay. of the season. Oh, so I feel like oh. I'm allowed to bring him back. <laughs> but I am talking about Gerald Everett. Uh, and this is less about the man, Gerald Everett. This is more about the matchup. This is me just demanding that you start your tight ends against the Arizona Cardinals. That's really more of what this is. Uh, Now, to be fair, again, I'm saying that a lot, but we have to keep an eye on his injury. He had a groin injury, which prevented him from playing kind of last minute this last week. So hopefully he is out there. I haven't heard any breaking news. So uh, fingers crossed there. But it's just such a good matchup. They're allowing the most fantasy points the Cardinals are. For some context, Noah Fant has only cracked the top 15 tight ends list and double-digit fantasy points twice. Both times were against the Arizona Cardinals. We just saw George Kittle have his best game of the season against them on Monday. Not saying Everett is going to do what Kittle did, but he's an absolute start because there's not a lot of options that you have. Really, the only time the Cardinals have been uh, good, quote-unquote, against tight ends was against Carolina. And they don't count because they don't have a real tight end group. Uh, So I do think that Everett, for me, is above guys like Greg Dulcich, who I also love, above even Dalton Schultz, and this week, who has a tough matchup against New Orleans, he's on the same par with George Kittle this week. Uh, I I cannot agree with you with Dalton Schultz, but I'll agree with you with the other guys. And with Mike Williams being out, that feels even better for Gerald Everett. We'll do a a little little Shotsky bet on Schultz first. Gerald Everett. I don't know if I can handle another shot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do it. You know, it's Thanksgiving. Let's do it. Improve your takes, Jake, and you'll take less. (laughs) (laughs) I would be thankful if I could come back next week and win this shot bet. How about that? Whoa. All right. Kate, this is another guy this podcast is obsessed with. Whenever we can bring up his name, we do talk about him. I mean, I, I feel like we need to talk about him. It's been like a minute. So I mean, it's been like four episodes, I think. Like we've been doing good. Yeah. Keeping his name out we've, of him. We've really. Oh, no. We had him as a farty fade. Okay. Reason. That's great. That's great. We weren't promoting him. Okay. So uh, 
Gabe Davis against the Lions for anybody who wasn't sure uh, who our obsession was. It is Gabe Davis. But like I feel like the temperature check has kind of cooled. He's had a few down games, had um, a little dip there, like in sort of that week five to week 10 range where just really was not efficient whatsoever with his target, like 50% catch rate, sub 30%, 40%, like was not catching a large volume of the balls going his way, but starting to get back on track over the last couple of weeks and seven or more targets in three of the last four weeks. I think the volume is a hundred percent there. He's tied for the 10th most red zone targets in the NFL leads all players, literally all positions in fantasy points per touch, which in freaking credible uh, considering like, you know, a lot of times we'll see that sort of lean towards the running backs and stuff, but that just goes to show you when Gabe Davis and Josh Allen actually are connecting. It's beautiful. Um, now we get the lions fifth, most fantasy points allowed per game this year. And I mean, guys, the ceiling against the lions has been so High, uh, DK Metcalf, 149 yards, zero touchdowns. Jacoby Myers, 111 yards, one touchdown. Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill combined for almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. Like the ceiling, I mean, 300 yards. Oh my, 300 yards. Yeah, holy yeah. crap, 300 yards and two touchdowns. Thank you, Michelle. Um, like the the yardage given up and the touchdown upside is so significant. I think this is going to be a Thanksgiving feast that we can all enjoy. Gabe Davis has been impressing lately, I think. And it's not just been on deep. But it's been low key. I don't feel like people, I I think people cooled when he had those sort of mid-season struggles. And I think he's starting to trend back up. And I don't, maybe you go trade for him ahead of your trade deadline. Because I feel like while the temp, like this is going to be a week that makes or breaks your ability to acquire Gabe Davis. Jake, we totally missed a joke of yours that you had a laugh about to yourself. <laughs> and I'm very I, I sorry. Think I'm the funniest person <laughs> ever. And I you know what? You're going to have said. to rewind it. Listen, just rewind it and like play it back like you have to do backwards for some like old rock bands to hear the satanic messaging. It's the same <laughs> thing, but with just a terrible, terrible pun. <laughs> All right. When I listen again, I'll let you know if I laughed or not. I'll <laughs> probably won't. just ignore you again. <laughs> All right, my second scrumptious start of the week is Ken Walker versus the Raiders. He disappointed a little bit last uh, time we saw him on the field before the Seahawks bye. 13 fantasy points. Luckily, he got a lot of receptions. He had a career high, six receptions, 55 yards, because he did nothing on the ground. It was his first start of his career without a rushing touchdown, and he put up just 17 rushing yards on 10 carries. No, the Buccaneers are a really good run defense, so I'll let that slide. And it's really good to see his targets increasing. Four targets in week nine, eight targets in week 10. He was getting like nothing before that. So that's good to see that he's starting to be utilized in that way. And also, it's nice to see that in a game that they were down for most of the game, it wasn't like, okay, let us put in a different running back that we can trust more as a receiver. No, Ken Walker played 86% of the snaps, his highest of the year. So he is a workhorse running back. That makes me feel really good. And the Raiders are allowing the fourth most fantasy points per game to the running back position this year. They're also allowing the most receiving yards to the running back position as well. So if the Seahawks do end up com- going down to the Raiders, 
it's good to know they can utilize him there uh, again as well as a pass catcher. I don't expect that. I expect him to be able to run all over the Raiders and be completely fine. The Raiders have really been struggling against running backs as of late, allowing uh, 24 plus fantasy points in three of their last four games. And then even the one running back that didn't have 24 fantasy points, Latavius Murray last week had 17 and that's Latavius Murray. And that's with Melvin Gordon, Gordon stealing 12 of his fantasy points. So Ken Walker is a, a, another smash play for me. I'll be ranking him top seven. So I even like him more than Jeff Wilson slightly. Then, and the only guys I'm a hundred percent playing over him this week are Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, CMC and Jonathan Taylor. The rest, I think, are up for debate. There's obviously some close to him, but those are the only guys for sure I'm playing over him. And I I think that's how highly I feel about him this week. I think it's funny that you even mentioned the idea or the notion that the Seahawks could get down to the Raiders this week. I think it's going to be just another real disappointing outing for the uh, Raiders. Yeah, I would start Kenneth Walker. Like, let's pretend in the best universe ever, you have the best lineup ever. And you have to sit three of these or, you know, like uh, sit three of these. I would sit Barkley, CMC and Taylor in favor of Walker this week. <laughs> wow. That's bold. I'm I shot that Shopsky bet. No, no. I have him as a top seven guy. I'm not taking your shot. If he ends, if he lands earlier than that, but the, no, you, you shall be punished. You can't sit CMC Barkley or Jonathan Taylor. But if I had to, I would. Well, no one's going to have to. No one's going to have to. I promise you. What if they did? What if our listeners are just that good at drafting? What you they can don't say, need us. What, you know, <laughs> what you can say is that in DFS, you prefer Ken Walker's cheaper price uh, than going with those other guys. Wow, wow. DFS. Wah, wah. Anyway, yeah. Kenneth Walker will outscore Barkley, CMC, and Jonathan Taylor this Jonathan week. Jonathan Taylor could destroy the Steelers defense. Nope. Okay. All right, let's get into our fades of the week, our farty fart fades. I feel like I have to say it, though. You know, it just doesn't feel the same without it. So I had to add it in there. Jake, getting bold here. What's your first one? Yeah, this is the part in the podcast where I have to explicitly state this is not a sit segment of the podcast. This is a fade. This means in terms of what you would normally expect from them, back it off. By quite a lot. And that's what I'm talking about with Alvin Kamara, who is facing the San Francisco 49ers this week. Uh, It was nice this past week that it felt like they were getting Kamara a little bit more involved in the game than he had been. It seemed like they were like actually designating drives for him. And, And that's all well and good, but he still just got 13 fantasy points for you, even with that extra attention given to him. So here's what's concerning. Alvin hasn't topped 90 total yards since week eight. That's also the only game this season that Alvin scored a touchdown. He had three in that game, and that's it. He hasn't uh, touched the end zone since then. He's had as many weeks outside the top 30 as he has inside the top 12, which is three apiece. Again, more involved last week. That's great. But he has a tough matchup against the 49ers this week. They're allowing the fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs. If Jameis Winston were to suddenly come in and take over starting duties again, which I advocate for, I want him to do that. It makes every piece of that offense more fantasy relevant in my view. Then that would be something different. And then I would adjust my thinking about Alvin Kamara. But for right now, with Andy Dalton as the starter, I'm I'm not into it. 
this week. Again, you cannot bench him. I understand that. But there are plenty of dudes that everybody that we talked about basically from our scrumptious starts. Like I'm talking Raheem Mostert over Alvin Kamara if you need the upside play. That's the kind of level that I'm at with him. He can still be a fringe running back too. That's fine. Uh, but that's not going to win you the week. Yeah, obviously, Alvin Kamara, you have to play, unfortunately. He's one of those guys that are just, he has too big of a name and too much of a reputation to be able to sit him. But like, if you were deciding between Ken Walker and Alvin Kamara, if you're in a league like that, where you have to make that decision, like I- I'm okay to sit Kamara in that type of way. What about if you're choosing between Jeff Wilson or Alvin Kamara? Jeff Wilson. I'm taking Jeff Wilson. Interesting. Yeah, I would Safer too. floor for me. Yeah, I would too. All right, Kate, who's your fade of the week? This one seems pretty obvious. If you're still playing this guy, you just like to lose in fantasy. I just like, I, I please take this as a, a home run hit that you just wanted to take this week. No, I like DJ Moore against the Broncos. You sit him. But so I, my concern is that People are going to see what has happened over the last two games. You had uh, Devontae Adams absolutely go off. Two back-to-back games allowed by the Denver Broncos with 100-plus receiving yards and two touchdowns. Uh, One to Nick Westbrook-Kine and one to Devontae Adams. I'm not getting cute with that and thinking, well, oh, how cool. Like DJ Moore, he might see Sam Darnold again. And uh, if you'll remember, he was kind of hot to start the season last year with Sam Darnold, but I want to remember, or I want everybody to remember this offense is bad. The Broncos secondary is good. And Sam Darnold threw a total of nine touchdowns last year through 11 starts. Like this, this team got off to this weird anomaly of a start to the season through the first four games. Like DJ Moore was a top 12 wide receiver in three of his four first four weeks. I'm just trying to temper expectations again. Cause I, I no, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Like the, the Broncos secondary is too good. This team is a disaster. If you need to temper expectations about DJ Moore, just go look at his fantasy points all season long. That, that should, that should put the cold water on any thoughts you had. He's about had, starting he's DJ had some boom weeks, but just don't expect it. He had like one and it's because of a 60 yard touchdown at the end of a game. All right, before I get in to my farty fart of the week, I just want to point out, I had Tony Pollard in this section last week, and that's embarrassing. I should be embarrassed, right? I had a lot of reasons for it, and I thought they were good. They were not. (laughs) Tony Pollard is good, right? And even with Zeke stealing two rushing touchdowns, Pollard still scored two receiving touchdowns and put up a monster week. And then it is, I'm sure, a top five running back. I don't I don't know exactly. So I'm going to take a shot for that because I just want to let you know I'm sorry. You know, I, I make these same decisions that I tell you to make, and I, I messed up, all right? I messed up my own lineups too. So I'm taking a, <laughs> a shot, and I, I don't take joy in this. I just want you to know that. I absolutely hate shots. So this isn't me like, oh, I'm just getting the drink. No, I hate it, all right? If you asked her to <laughs> chug it. a white claw. Now that I would take joy in. All right, one, two, three. Oh, no. And then I had to talk about that. Why are we doing this right before we talk? That was- I, I mean, I set a bad precedent, and that's that's my fault. Ugh. I apologize for that. No. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right, I did it. I did it. So, everyone, if you're mad at me, you're probably just not listening to the podcast. 
So that might be a waste. Devin Singletary is my fate of the week at the Lions. So you might see Lions and say, oh, wow, what a great matchup. This is the time to start a running back that I've been holding on to in Devin Singletary. He's been scoring touchdowns. This should be great. The issue is that the Lions actually aren't that good of a matchup anymore. Over the last four weeks, they have been really good at stopping the run. They're allowing just 3.5 yards per carry over the last four games. And they've allowed just one rushing touchdown to a running back during that span. Matt Bereda, they've allowed no running back to score over 10 fantasy points in that time as well. Like Matt Bereda has the most fantasy points over the last four games against the Lions with nine fantasy points because he got that touchdown. Everyone else is seven points or below that's like, God, it's not even like they've just been playing terrible teams. They played Raheem Mostert, Aaron Jones, like with AJ Dillon there as well, Khalil Herbert, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery. These are all guys that they did such a good job stopping that we were all excited to play. Now I get like Devin Singletary has been getting so many snaps, 70 plus percent of the snaps uh, in the last like handful of games, which is fantastic. He even got 18 carries last week. So it's nice to see that his workload is increasing, but his targets have like disappeared. He only has three receptions for 11 yards over the last two games. And James Cook is getting a lot more work on the ground as well. And we always say it's not actually good to play Bill's running backs when they have a nice matchup that you think like, oh, they could like win big, which I think they can win big against the Lions. Then they just take out their starters and they go to the backup. So Devin Singletary never got used because Josh Allen just destroyed the team to begin with. And then he gets taken out because he's a starter and they bench him for the backups. So I really don't want to play Devin Singletary this week. You can play him. He's not the worst play. And if he gets into the end zone, like he has been, it will be fine. But like there was a long track record here of him not getting to the end zone. And then all of a sudden, the last two weeks, he has three touchdowns. I don't just expect that to keep happening. So I'm playing guys like Isaiah Pacheco, Raheem Mostert, Deonta Foreman, Rashad White, Leonard Fournette, even if he plays, like all of them, I'm playing over him. I won't go too deep because I still think he's startable. I just, I'm not excited for the matchup like some people might be. Yeah, I get the matchup consideration. I was... I was thrilled that James Cook was as involved as he was. That was nice. Yeah. I liked that. But yeah, it, it does a disservice certainly to Singletary. So uh, it's tough. It's a three-headed monster. And the two smallest heads are the running backs because Josh Allen is still the biggest head in that backfield. So I need to stop saying head, by the way. But I totally <laughs> get where you're coming from. All right, Kate. I know you're struggling over here with a cough, but you think you can get through your second party far of the week? Yes, I will do my best. Uh, Cordero Patterson versus the Commanders. So, like, the Commanders we haven't really thought about as a a solid defense either, but weeks 5 through 11 allowing just 70 yards per game to opposing running backs, 3.9 yards per carry, uh, tied for the sixth fewest broken tackle rate, fifth highest stuff rate among any of these rushing defenses. And, like, it'd be fine. Uh, I think, you know, when you have these really solid matchups and you're trying to make a decision on who to play, who to start, who to sit, like you can think, okay, well, can volume make up for inefficiencies in a hard matchup? And that's kind of a tiebreaker for me. I'm worried about the, the volume here with Patterson, Tyler Algier, 
Patterson had 49% of snaps last week. That was the second week back from injury. Tyler Algier actually saw a bump in offensive snap rate last year or last week, not a decrease. We didn't see less usage of him. It was very weird. Um, but I think like this split backfield is probably going to continue. Obviously Patterson always has upside as a returner, as we saw this week, but there's just, there's, I don't think enough work for him to go around uh, to make up for some of the inefficiencies. I think he's going to see in week uh, 12. Thank you. I appreciate you getting that out there. How are you doing? I'm okay. <laughs> we can all hear it in your we can all hear it in your voice if you just try so hard. Yeah, I'm literally hard. I'm just trying I to, think yeah. that Kate should do a shot of whatever medicine will <laughs> make her feel better right now. I think shot so. of Dayquil. You can just hear the cough just like right back there. Jake, I skipped you, uh, but I wanted to be able to get Kate's in before she dies. So Jake, who's your second fate of the week? First of all, completely understandable. Second of all, I once again have to say this is not a sit segment of the podcast. This is a fade segment of the podcast. So with that in mind, once again, I'm talking about somebody that's high on everybody's list. Still, it's Dalvin Cook. I understand it. He's a stud. You start your studs. But he's playing against the Patriots this week. The Patriots who have allowed, by the way, just one total rushing touchdown to opposing running backs. We are in week 12. That is one rushing touchdown to this point. Also, the sixth fewest rushing yards, the seventh fewest receptions to the running back position. This game is also, most notably, outside of the main slate. We all know about Kirk Cousins' woes. It's a well-worn <laughs> narrative at this point, right? If he's not playing at noon or 1 p.m. for you Eastern folks, then he is no good. But that is translated over to Dalvin Cook as well this year. This is a fun little stat. Cook has finished as RB20 or worse in five games this season. It happened in all four of the non-noon or non-main slate games that the Vikings played. He is outside of my top 15 this week, uh, which is, I know, going to be frustrating to some. I am not benching him again. He is like Kamara. You do have to play him, but you do have to pair him with the more upside plays. So as we're talking about safe floors and high ceilings, this is the kind of guy that you need to consider that with. I mean, for what it's worth, again, I would be taking a Tony Pollard above him this week. You know, if you have the ability to do that, I'd be taking Ramondre Stevenson above him. But again, you're putting him in your lineups. Yes, I, I agree. So Dalvin Cook worries me a little bit as well. I will say like almost all of his yards have come from the outside this year. He's actually like really terrible running up the middle, which is surprising for Dalvin Cook because he's been good at that. And the Patriots, you can beat outside as running back, not so much up the middle. So it's not like the worst matchup for him ever. But at the same time, like I, I'm with you at everything else you said, like the Vikings in prime time, just Kirk Cousins. I don't, I don't know what happens, man. And it just ruins the whole team. So I feel you. I probably wouldn't rank him as a top 12 running back either this year. It would be close. Obviously, like you said multiple times, you're not sitting him. Just saying fade him. And if you end up having a stacked team where you have so many running back options, maybe you do possibly consider sitting him. That's only the most wildest of teams that most of us do not have. My sit of the week so this isn't just a fade of the week it is you sit this guy's 
booty on your bench. Deontay Johnson at the Colts. You can't play him like period, period. He's not. I love that you thought DJ Moore was too obvious and you hear you have the audacity to bring DJ or bring <laughs> Deontay Johnson into this conversation. Yeah, I guess, I guess, but I'm not, I'm just saying you cannot play him whatsoever. He's done nothing this year. He's scored more than 13 fantasy points in one game. He hasn't scored more than 10 fantasy points in the last five weeks. It's just, I mean, if you want eight points and sure play him because that's what he's going to get you. But his targets are even like we're, we used to be able to say, okay, Deontay's not super efficient, but his targets are insane. You got to play him the last two weeks, five targets, five targets. Listen, Mike Tomlin said defenses are king in on Deontay. So that's why they're going to other guys. The truth is, Kenny Pickett does not know how to throw a guy open. He doesn't even know that's a job of an NFL quarterback. He thinks you wait till a guy's open and then you throw it. He has no idea that actually your job as an NFL quarterback is to throw wide receivers open. So there's zero chance of him targeting him if Deontay's not already open by the time he's about to throw. He clearly likes Pickens more and Fryer with more especially farming with over the middle, he's just going to look more open. So for a guy who's as bad as Kenny Pickett, he's going to get more targets. I'm being really mean to Kenny Pickett. He's just, oh, oh I just cannot I believe the Steelers good. are stuck with this dude. I got that <laughs> off my chest. The Colts are allowing the fewest fantasy points per game to the wide receiver position this season. So it's just a double whammy. There's always like there's there are some rumors out there on the Twitter sphere that you cannot take seriously, but that possibly George Pickens could be suspended for his uh, helmet hit at the end of the game. That changes things slightly that Deontay might get a few more targets. I still don't want to play Deontay, though, even if Pickens is gone. He yeah, becomes, then it's Steven Sims season. And I, yeah. am I right? Deontay Johnson becomes playable slightly if Pickens is gone, but if Pickens is there, it's just uh, it's a no for me. I'm playing guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, Paris Campbell, uh, uh, definitely Traylon Burks, Allen Robinson, Josh Palmer, even DeAndre Carter if Mike Williams is out over Deontay Johnson. Like that's how far I'm going. I mean, as a reminder, Deontay Johnson has had ten plus targets in five games this season. He has not once eclipsed more than 84 receiving yards like week three 55 receiving yards 57 84 60 42 if i'm getting 10 targets for my receiver i'm gonna need a little bit more than that these are his receiving longs like his longest reception and uh the last seven games six nine 14 14 eight he had a 23 and a 36 in there as well. But so many games, there was just nothing. There's nothing. And it's not his fault. He's a very good wide receiver. It's the offensive coordinator and the quarterback he's playing with. There's just no hope. There's no hope. It's brutal. I just want to call out that I listed him last week. But this gives like extra. It's always something when a super fan lists this type of fade. Because I, I know that you've watched it so much and it's been painful to watch him. Uh, and I, I think that translates into somehow a deeper fate this week. Well, this will be the week he goes off and he scores his first touchdown of the season. I'm sure of it because I just went off on Deontay John. Well, no, I went off on Cuddy Pickett. So Cuddy Pickett's going to put up 400 yards and four touchdowns. Deontay Johnson will have his first touchdown game of the season. That is a, that is a shot ski you would be happy to take next year. (laughs) Yeah. I hope it happens. I really do. I would love to see it. I just, I don't think I'm going to be wrong there. 
All right, before we end today's episode, let's just run through these uh, help me make my lineups decisions. Some guys that I see closely ranked together in consensus rankings this week and uh, will help people make those lineup decisions if they have them. So let's run through these. We got first up, Traylon Burks, rookie wide receiver, going against the Bengals after his, you know, he had a breakout game last week against the Packers. Or are you going with George Pickens if he does play against the Colts? Yeah, Burks, he definitely broke out in like a fancy production standpoint. It was a bit disconcerting. I don't know. I felt like he should have doubled his production with how he was getting these passes. And he didn't seem to do anything after the catch, which was a little bit jarring to see. I mean, with that said, he's he's seeing the targets. He's seeing the work to some extent. I will trust him over Pickens. Yeah, I mean, they're both hard matchups. The Bengals are not easy to pass against either. And the Colts definitely aren't easy for wide receivers. I just brought up that clearly Pickett's favorite target is Pickens as far as wide receivers go. But I still I like Traylon Burke's upside more than Pickens in this matchup. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So Burke's all on all sides. All right, and then we got the same matchup here. It's the Packers versus the Eagles. Are you going with Devonta Smith on the Eagles side or Christian Watson, who has been a monster over the last two weeks in the touchdown department? Five touchdowns in two weeks. Who are you going with, Jake, Devonta, or Christian? It's it's touchdowns only, and literally nothing else is happening for him right now. And that's tough to to rely on week to week. So there there probably is some regression incoming for him. Uh, I I don't love the matchup against the Eagles for anybody on the Packers. I'll take Devontae Smith. Yeah, I'm going Devontae Smith as well. We we saw the uptick of work with Dallas Goddard out. Now, Smith has not been reliable this season at all. He's been very inconsistent, but I think with Goddard out, he's a little bit more reliable. You can beat the Packers uh, as a wide receiver, and the Eagles are a much harder matchup. I'll say with Christian Watson, there has never been a rookie to have two-plus receiving touchdowns in three straight games since the 1970 NFL merger. So he's going to have to make some history happen here again if he wants a big game. Not saying he can't do it. I'm going to go on the history side. I'll take Devonta Smith. It's interesting we're going uh, Devonta Smith as the history side for a guy that's like broken the mold for wide receiver BMI. Like it's just a fun a fun tidbit. But yes, I'm I'm going with Devonta Smith. It It all comes down to the fact that like if we take away those touchdowns, what I, I would love to know where uh, Watson would have ranked. Just like if we stripped away all touchdowns in weeks 10 and 11, where would Christian Watson have fallen in those ranks? Because I feel like it's probably like wide receiver 70. Yeah, probably. Probably. I, I don't want to take anything away from him. He looks good. No, he looks, he looks good. And the touchdowns are obviously very important, but we also know how volatile touchdowns can be. And Jake, I don't think you would disagree with the fact that green Bay has been a volatile offense at baseline. That's the but nicest also, way you could put that. I also think defenses know now, like, okay, we have to take this Christian Watson dude seriously and have someone back here to be spying on him to make sure he doesn't run past us. And if any secondary has the capability to do that, it's the Eagles with everyone they have. So I, I, I do think this could be a big disappointing week from Watson. Well, we shall see. He's a fun player. And it's, if you want to play him, I get it. He's fun. 
this one, this is a for real question because people, this was a uh, tweet going around last week about who would you rather have in Dynasty? So I just want to see who you'd rather have this week. Najee Harris against the Colts or Rashad White at the Browns. There was a poll out there and everyone was voting for Rashad White in Dynasty over Najee Harris. And I think that's the most short-sighted answer of all time. And, of course, Najee Harris had his best game of the year last week because he's a good player, a workhorse role that you know is going to be in a workhorse role for a long time. So it's silly to me. But, Jake, who would you rather have, Najee or Rashad White this week? Yeah, I get your argument in Dynasty, and I do think that there's a pretty big discrepancy there. I do think it's pretty close, though, for this week and even for a redraft uh, for the rest of the season. I think I'm still going to go with Najee. It's important that he's almost cracked 100 yards in both of the last two weeks. It wasn't just a one-time thing. I was ready to say that the previous week and like, hey, anybody can do it one week out of 10. He's building on it. I would take the comfort, quote-unquote, of Najee Harris at this point. He also just looks a little bit different. Like He looks better. He looks like he's making some better decisions. Still not perfect, but... He, I, I feel like threatening to send him to the bench. Uh, I don't know if it scared him or, or what, but like, he looks like a different player. If Leonard Fournette is out, I will, I will go with Rashad White this week against the Browns. But if Leonard Fournette plays, I don't care who's the projected starter. I'm going with Najee there. The framing for me is if you need a higher upside, I go with Rashad White. If you need the safer floor, I would go with Najee. Yeah, sure. Mine just like very strictly. If Leonard Fournette plays, I'm going with Nashi. Okay. Okay. Uh, next up, Samashi so Pirine at the Titans. If Joe Mixon is out, he suffered a concussion last week. We have no idea if he'll pass protocols, but it seems like this season it's taking a little bit longer to get through concussion protocols. So who knows? But Samaji Pirine at the Titans, if he's if Mixon is out, or Deonta Foreman versus the Broncos. I'm going to bet against Samaj P. Ryan getting three receiving touchdowns this week. I don't know. That seems like something that's not repeatable. Uh, I, I understand in the offense, but Samaj's entire job while he's been a player has been to disappoint fantasy managers who have deigned to start him in a given week because it's always the weeks you don't expect that uh, yeah. Samaj is going to come around. So I will go ahead uh, and take Deonta Foreman. Yeah, I, I slightly lean Foreman. It's not even so much that I like Foreman more, but this matchup against the Titans is possibly the hardest in the NFL right now going up against the Titans. It's really freaking hard. So unless he's going to get three receiving touchdowns or just like even like get a ton of work in the receiving game, that's where he'll have his value. I think on the ground, he's going to do pretty much absolutely nothing against this Titans defense. So he's going to need a ton of targets. He's going to have to get into the end zone probably through the air. So I'll lean Deonta Foreman here. It, uh, you could beat the Broncos on the ground. You can't beat them through the air. So I'll, I'll go that way. It's close though. I'm also going with Deonta Foreman. Uh, the man said well, nearly 120 rushing yards in three of the last five games. Like he's he's been volatile, but I think Samaj P. Ryan against the Tennessee Titans equally volatile. And we've simply seen more out of Deontay Foreman. Yeah. And last up, Brandon Ayuk has been a monster. And I feel like nobody is giving him credit for it. This is the issue, right? If he had this season last year, 
we would be saying he's amazing. He's the next young stud. He's up there with some of the, you know, the best young players in the league. But the issue is we all believed in him last year and he disappointed us so bad that we have such trust issues moving forward with him. At least that maybe I'm projecting, but that's how my Yeah, speak are. for yourself. I seem to recall I was very high on Debo last year and slightly higher on Ayuk this year. So you okay, keep that okay. to yourself. Okay. Okay. Well, I got burned by Ayuk last year. So that's what happens when you get burned by a player. You have a harder time trusting him, but he's been nothing but fantastic, at least over the last handful of games, been fantastic. Or are you going with a guy like Michael Pittman, who was drafted higher to be a better, you know, better fantasy player this year against a really good matchup against the Steelers? Who are you going with Brandon Ayuk or Michael Pittman this week? Talked about the Steelers being, yeah, a fantastic matchup typically for wide receivers. I mean, to some extent, they've changed the tune since Watt has come back. I mean, Chris Olave did not have the blow-up game that I thought he would have against them. No, but and, T. Higgins destroyed their souls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I do think, you know, Pittman's been certainly better with Matt Ryan in the fold, but I'm going to lean with the consistency of Ayuk because even though, of course, this past week, it was all the touchdowns that got him there, the previous three weeks, it was the yardage. So I think it all shakes out in the wash. Yeah, the 49ers offense is clicking right now, and they're having a hard time figuring out a way to feed all of their best players. But it seems like week after week after week, they find a way to make Brandon Ayuk productive and really good for fantasy. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, last week, you only had two receptions, but they end up being the two touchdowns. The four four weeks before that, 80-plus yards. Oh, man. Now that I'm looking at his stats, I might lean Pittman just because of the, the Steelers really struggle over the middle. It's just a, a guy over the middle is going to be wide open for the Steelers. Every single play, every single play, there's not going to be a play. They have that covered. So if Matt Ryan, if TJ Watt doesn't get to Matt Ryan a hundred times in this game, which he might, then Michael Pittman should have a good game. I'm I'll tie. I'll break the tie here. I'm going to go with Brandon. Ayuk. I think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's a, the right choice. it's a fine matchup. Like the Steelers have been a great matchup all season, but I do think like, uh, you know, getting, Minka Fitzpatrick, another week out from his appendix surgery. You've got, you know, TJ Watt continuing to make efforts. Like, I think that, you know, the Colts offense is bad enough that I can use that as a tiebreaker because we've seen the 49ers can be very productive. Jake, like you mentioned, like I just said that touchdowns were kind of like the poo-poo for Christian Watson. And yes, two receptions, two touchdowns last week for Brandon Ayuk. But prior to that, he wasn't relying on touchdowns at all. Uh, you know, 80 plus receiving yards had uh, at least one touchdown in um, two of those four games prior to last week. So I think it's been a nice, healthy balance of both for Brandon Ayuk and they're calling plays like specifically for him. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, that's our Thanksgiving episode. I hope you guys have the best Thanksgiving ever. Because we're grateful for you. Yeah, 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 we are. Eat some yummy food. Watch some football. If you have any questions before the games kick off, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me, Michelle, at Ball Blast them, Ball Blast EM. And you can find me, Kate, at FF Ball Blast. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.